1: Hey, y'all. Thanks for listening to Killer Queens. Or KQ, if you're nasty. Welcome to the show where two 90s-loving country chicks gab about true crime and tell each other to talk to the hand because the face ain't listening. I'm Torella. And I'm Tori. And we're sisters who have always loved true crime and decided to turn that obsession into a show with a light take on the topic. Kind of like diet true crime, it's all the flavor of fewer calories. Hmm. Now, with our show, you'll get true crime, 90s nostalgia, and a few four-letter words sprinkled in. Because I always say that Polly Pockets and true crime go together like peas and carrots. Be sure to check out our case submission form on our website at KillerQueensPodcast.com and follow us on social media and YouTube. Now grab your Surge, your 3D Cool Ranch Doritos, and your kitten surprise, and let's get into the episode. This episode contains discussion of murder and assault with a weapon, mentions of mental illness, suicide, rape, and drug use. Listener discretion is advised. In 2013, Caleb Kai Lawrence McGilvery became an internet viral sensation after giving an interview following a traffic accident and assault. As a result of his viral fame, Kai received several offers from various news and entertainment agencies asking for interviews or appearances, with Jimmy Kimmel Live eventually landing the coveted appearance. For a few months, Kai would appear at random places throughout the country. That was until he was arrested in May of 2013 for the murder of 73-year-old New Jersey attorney Joseph Galfi. Hey, you guys. Welcome to Killer Queens. If you've never been here before, we want to give you just a little information about how the show is set up and what it's meant to accomplish. If you have been here before, welcome back. You can just use that handy skip ahead feature here if you want to. We want to give a message to friends and family of the victims. We know that there may be someone involved in the case who might listen one day. And we want you to know that our intention is to only bring awareness to this case. And while we do use personal stories in some instances and our own humor in order to tell the story in a way that listeners can relate, we have the utmost respect for victims and their families. We created Killer Queens to be a place where we can have open discussions about cases just like you would with friends. We are not investigators. We use information that is available to the public, such as documentaries, case files, and media coverage. Using this information, we intend to tell the story of what happened in each case that we cover. Now, will you agree with our interpretations or conclusions of each case? Well, heck no. Mm Mm-mm. We each approach cases from different perspectives, life experiences, and beliefs that we already have in place, and sometimes these differences are slight, yet they can be wide enough to cause divide and upset some of those listening. We do our best to present the facts as we find them in our research, but we do bring our own perspectives to the case. We understand that you will too. We want you to know that this is a safe space to discuss differences and opinions in a civilized manner. Our style may not be your personal preference, and if that's the case, we know you'll be able to find one of the many other shows out there to tell the story the way you want to hear it. We can be grown-ups about it if you can. Now, if we are your cup of tea and you want even more KQ, you can join our Patreon and get access to our entire catalog of episodes ad-free and access to bonus episodes, too. And I'll give you just a little hint if you're an ad skipper, um, but you still want the deals that we have from our sponsors each week, you can scroll down to the show notes and see what coupons we have available for you right down there. But you didn't hear it from us. Mm -mm, mm -mm, That's a pro tip, but I'll deny ever sharing it. Right. So all that being said, let's get into the story. All right. Well, um, this is a case that you probably know from the Netflix documentary. Hmm. which was called
0: The Hatchet-Wielding
1: I... Hitchhiker. Okay, it didn't have Kai in the name. I don't think so. Okay, yeah. The Hatchet-Wielding Hitchhiker. It is, uh, it's a doozy, you guys. There's gonna, it's about to be a wild ride. We do want to first thank me and Jasmine <laughs> B. for requesting this case. Wow. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I know. Right. Thank yourself. Yeah. Um, But also Jasmine. And then thanks to Mark for writing this one up for us. Yes, we appreciate it. Yes, for sure. All right. So again, we kind of feel like the best place to start with this is where most I don't know. I never heard about Kai before this documentary. I don't remember that happening. No, I don't either. But I have a friend who she was like, I remember when this was on the news. I remember all of this stuff. And I was like, really? Yeah, I don't I I don't remember it at all. Very interesting. But yeah, I guess some people do. Um, So the documentary dropped this year on January 10th, 2023. It is described as a shocking documentary that chronicles a happy go lucky nomad's ascent to viral stardom and the steep downward spiral that resulted in his imprisonment. You don't need to have watched the documentary before we talk about the case today. We're going to go over what happens in the documentary. I enjoyed watching it. Like it was interesting. I do think they left a hell of a lot of stuff out. Yeah, with regards to his Like, why he's in jail now. Mm -hmm. They really, really focused on the viral sensation thing. Absolutely. And, I mean, we'll talk about it, but they really focused not only on the viral sensation thing, but, like, they spent a lot of time talking to people that were kind of, like, wrangling him or, like, involved in having to get him to these certain places. And while it is interesting, I feel like that didn't need to be the main focus. Like, if we focused... Can't, you know, that taco commercial. Por los dos. Why can't we have both? Exactly. And it was, what, an hour and a half long or something? Yeah. So they spent like an hour and 15 minutes talking about this part of it. Mm-hmm. And him going on TV and stuff like that. And it's like, okay, but like. And his like wild and crazy antics and then. Yeah. So then at the end of it, you're like, but wait, what? What why. I didn't even, I mean, I guess since I didn't know the story, I wouldn't have known, but I didn't even know that he, there was this terrible thing that happened at the very, like I had no idea. I was like, all right, it's, people are talking about watching this. I'll watch it. Mm -hmm. But I was like, it just felt like a e-Hollywood story of like this guy who, you know. Right. Rose to fame and then died out a little bit. And I was like, oh, there's more. Yeah, exactly. I thought that was a little bit strange. Um, But if you don't know the story, We start with a car crash on February 1st, 2013. This is a little after 2 p.m. Jessup Reisbeck was the sports reporter for the local Fox affiliate. That's KMPH-TV in Fresno, California. That day, they were short on reporters. So Jessup was sent out to cover this car crash. And man, was that serendipitous for him. Mm -hmm. He's like, looks big time now. I don't know. I don't know what he is, but he went from like I mean it's it's amazing if you're a reporter on a local station I'm not saying anything about that but he just literally was like took that and then he kind of went viral too but um, you want to talk about a glow up you guys look up Jake, mm. Jessup Bridesbeck So anyway, they're short on reporters. They send him out there. And the reports coming into the station were pretty strange. So they felt like they wanted to get somebody out there. They wanted to see what was going on. Initially, the description of the accident that went over the police scanners was that it was pretty bad. I mean, A person had actually been pinned between a car and a truck for this utility company. And the driver of the car had gotten out after the accident and was yelling some really, really disgusting and racist things. Um, he was claiming to be Jesus Christ. He was saying some other things. And the man that was pinned in between was a black man. And he's saying some very racist things. So, um, and he worked for the utility company that owned the truck. And while the driver, like the driver is yelling the way that he's yelling, the things that he's saying, the assumption was, he saw a black man and hit him with a car. Mm-hmm. Like, because of that. I mean, it's horrific. He's still yelling that he's Jesus. He's going to save everyone. It's an interesting way to save people by hitting somebody with a car. But yeah, what do I know, I guess? Um, so this is all happening and bystanders are seeing what's going on. So they rush up to try to help this man because he's he's pinned. And um, as they come up, He starts attacking them. And he was, they said, six foot, four inches, 300 pounds. His name is Jet Simmons McBride. He grabbed a woman who was trying to help, and he put her in, she called it a bear hug, but he started trying to choke her. So as Jessup was interviewing the woman who was attacked, she describes a, quote, homeless hitchhiker-looking guy getting out of the passenger seat of the car then coming up behind Jet McBride and hitting him in the head with a hatchet until he released her. And so Jessup's kind of looking around while he's doing this interview. He sees who he thinks is the person she's referring to walking around on the on the like street, across the street. He's got a backpack. So Jessup goes over to him and is like, hey, do you want to talk? And so this is how the world was introduced to Kai. And so Jessup says you know, can we talk to you? And Kai kind of shrugs. And he goes, what do you want to talk about? As if this entire thing that he just was involved in in a, you know, weird way just didn't happen. Like, okay, sure. What do you want to talk about? Yeah, I react way more dramatically over tiny little things that, you know, like, God, don't even get me started about the insect that I found in my bed. I, I I can't stop talking about that. That was a big moment in my life. This is completely different. And he's like, what's a big deal? Like, what do you? I know. It's like, what is that? What do you want to talk to me for? Episode of Friends where, wasn't it the one with the football and Thanksgiving? And somebody asked Phoebe something. And she's like, oh, I thought you met in life. Like, what do you? Yes. What was it? They were in the huddle and they were like, okay, Phoebe. What do you,
0: I can't, can't remember, remember the exactly question, how they, yeah. But it was
1: like, very obviously pertaining to the football game. And she's like, oh, I thought you meant in life. <laughs> yes. It was so funny. That's kind of what that reminded me of. Um, but we've got a little clip here.
0: Can we talk to you? Do you mind? What do you oh, want to talk about? What happened today? Hello? Well, uh, went straight out of Dogtown, skateboarding, and surfing it up. The first thing he wanted to do was send a loving message to whoever sees this interview. And it's powerful. It gives me goosebumps. Like, he had just been through this crazy, what to most people would be a traumatic situation, and he turned to the camera, and he looked right in the camera. Before I say anything else, I want to say, no matter what you've done, you deserve respect. Even if you make mistakes, you're lovable. And it doesn't matter your look, skills, or age, or size, or anything. You're worthwhile. No one could ever take that away from you. Now, he just had such a different perspective of what he was supposed to do in that moment. I look over the guy's pinned there, buddy gets out and these two women are trying to help him. He runs up and he grabs one of them, man. Like a guy that big can snap a woman's neck like a pencil stick. So I fucking ran up behind him with a hatchet, smash, smash, smash. Yeah. Who would expect
1: a hatchet-wielding hitchhiker to be (laughs) coming to save the day? So at one point, Kai says That woman was in danger. He had just finished what looked like at the time killing somebody. And if I hadn't done that, he would have killed more people. And when he was asked why he was even with the driver, like why he was riding with Jet McBride, he's like, I was just hitchhiking. I just met him. And he's like, Thank God I was hitchhiking. Like, you know, because what else would have happened? And he said that, you know, while they were driving, McBride was saying some pretty disturbing things. And he just kept telling, Kai that he was Jesus Christ. And he said at one point, he said that he'd been in the Virgin Islands one time. And at that time he had raped a 14 year old girl. He also said that McBride told him, I've come to realize I'm Jesus Christ and I can get away with anything that I want to. And then he says, watch this. And then that's when he drives into the worker. So after Kai gives this interview to Jessup, other reporters come up and they're like, hey, 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 you know, we want to talk to you. We want to talk to you.
0: What if everyone thought you murdered your best friend?
1: And what if you can't remember that night? And what if the truth doesn't matter? The Washington Post says Amy Tintera's Listen for the Lie is an edgy mystery novel whose true crime storyline draws you in like the podcast Serial. A Good Morning America book club pick that Stephen King calls a page-turner from the first sentence to the very last. Listen for the Lie is on sale now everywhere books are sold. To Jessup's surprise, because it seemed like Kai was, like, cool talking with everybody. He's really charismatic. He seemed like he was enjoying the spotlight. He was like, okay, everybody's going to get an interview with him, right? And Kai was like, nope, bye. Like, he wouldn't talk to anybody else. And then he just sort of walked away. Yeah. So after the incident, Kai was questioned by the police. He was released. The day after the accident, Jessup uploaded his interview with Kai to the youtube now this is 2013 Mm -hmm. that took some time early youtube and days early youtube yeah so he uploads it and it immediately went viral and as of today it has 8.1 million views the gregory brothers who did is you know i don't know the other ones I don't either. There's Chrissy, wake up, bed intruder song, but it's cone. That's my. That's the only one that that song (laughs) lives absolute rent free in my head. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, we cannot talk about having corn for dinner, and then I'm like the big love naps, It has (laughs) to like I just can't not sing it. But exactly, so they sampled that interview and they made a song with it. They auto-tuned it or whatever because, you know, Kai's famous quote is smash, smash, smash. And like, they made a whole thing about it. So there's that. But after seeing this interview, everybody wanted a piece of Kai. The entertainment industry wanted a piece of Kai. And honestly, it's disgusting. Like, Mm -hmm. nobody looked at him and thought, and look, His mental health issues are not hard to spot. Nobody looked at him and said, let's get him some help. Let's get him some food. You know, like, I mean, it it came along with it. that They would, you know, give him food or whatever. But all they saw when they looked at him was dollar signs. So all of these like TV producers and all these people were trying to get with him. So the Jimmy Kimmel show wanted to get him on their show. And then the producers who worked with or who worked on keeping up with the Kardashians wanted to do a reality show with Kai, but they couldn't find him because, as he liked to say, he was home free. He did not have an address, so they had to try to figure out how to find him. So they go to his Facebook account, and a lot of people reach out to him on Facebook and if they couldn't get him there, they just contacted Jessup and Jessup did have his email address. So Jessup's email account was absolutely blowing up. And he said as quickly as he could like reply to or delete emails, he had like hundreds more to replace them. Like it was just insanity. And there were emails from all over the world. Just people want to know, how can I get to Kai? They exploited or wanted to exploit him. Mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's do a let's do a homeless hitchhiker reality TV show. Now, would he have made money on it? Yes, but they weren't doing it to help him. They weren't doing it out of the goodness of their hearts to help him. They certainly weren't worried about addressing any of his medical or mental health issues. That just makes for better ratings. Yeah, I was gonna say from what I've seen from specific people in the entertainment industry, they're like piranhas. They're like the the crazier shit gets the more views and ratings we get and that's great we don't want you know uh, this is speculation of course like allegedly they maybe wouldn't want him to get better or to find housing if he wanted to or whatever it was just like how how crazy can we get and get it on film right yeah cuz if he got any of that kind of help it wouldn't be to them as interesting Right. I mean, it's just awful. So at this point, Jessup is kind of acting like his agent because he's the only one who has a Contact real... or like the end with him. Yeah. Right. So he sends him a message and he's like, hey, you know, there's all these people that want to get a hold of you. And he's like, here's the thing, though. Like, we know each other, right? And so like, we're friends. So like, I would love it if I could be the one to tell your story first and then you go on to do these other things. Everybody wants a piece of him hmm. Like not like again, no, but just nobody sat down and said, hey, you know, I'm in this industry and I want to let you know what this is, what's going on here. And here's here's how this is going to play out if you do this or this is how this works. Just nobody looking out for like. But this is the safest option for you or what's in your best interest or what do you want, Kai? hmm. And then here's maybe what could. Achieve that or whatever it is. It's just, you know, whatever. So Kai agrees, and um, Jessup goes to pick him up to meet him. And the cameraman who was recording that day said that the vibe between the viral video and the in person video or interview was completely different. Like he said, in person, Kai was a complete loose cannon. You didn't know what he was going to do, you didn't know what he was going to say after their interview, Jessup took Kai out to eat. He laid out everything that he had been sent. And essentially, he told Kai, like, look, all you have to do is choose who you want to talk to. You're going to be rich and famous pretty much instantly. And he's like, you could be a millionaire overnight. And Jessup says, like, he's talking to Kai. He's explaining this to him. And Kai was, like, kind of not really paying attention. He was just, like, wandering off and, like, not really. Like, he could tell he was, like, not super interested in the conversation. And Kai's like, I kind of just want to go to the Bay Area and smoke weed. Like, I don't want to do all that. Yeah. Being famous, I don't even, and again, speculation, I don't know, but it doesn't seem like even exorbitant amount of money was a priority to him. Like he's just, he just wants to like, wanted to float in the wind and just do his thing and go surfing and skateboard and smoke weed that's all he wanted to do that's the life he enjoyed i mean he you know like he didn't want to be beholden to anybody Mm -mm. you know so jessup tells the kardashian producers this and the kardashian producers say we'll give you a whole limo full of weed if you'll talk to us so he agrees so the producers and their people go to Kai, they find him. They got him to sign a contract for a reality TV show. Wasn't this the part where they said it took him forever to sign because he signed it in hieroglyphics? Yes. And for whatever reason, they decided that that was good enough. Aren't you supposed to be of sound mind to sign a contract to enter into something like that? Like, you would think. And so we're looking at that and saying, he knows what he's signing. Mm Mm-hmm this is ethical. Right. But they thought they were going to make a reality show that was something, you know, that had never been done before. And it was, quote, homeless people living happily on the streets. So they put Kai up in a hotel. Isn't that the opposite? Anyway. Um, <laughs> as soon as he goes into his room, he finds the liquor bottles. Right. And these are not airplane airplane size bottles. They're full bottles. Kai opens the bottle of Jack and he just starts guzzling like. So they're like, oh, gosh, (laughs) this is going to be an expensive thing. So a little while later, they go down to the lobby. He's riding his skateboard through the lobby. And this is like a pretty nice hotel. I don't remember which hotel it was, but they said it was like a fancy hotel. And he leaves. At this point, they've got a handler to make sure he gets, you know, I think of like get him to the Greek, like just get him there, you know, just get him from one place to the other but that's their job. And the handler was like, I didn't know it was going to be this hard. So after or as they're leaving, security comes out and says, he can't come back in here. Like, you can't do that. You cannot ride your skateboard through the lobby. Like, absolutely not. Well, and they didn't even know that he had gone outside and peed on the sidewalk before he even went into the hotel. So... Exactly. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's some stuff happening that is not uh, compatible with the vibe they're trying to give off. So they're like, he's just, he can't come back. So after they got kicked out, Kai took off running down the road. He pulls out a knife. He tries to throw it into the ground. At this point, the producers are like, I don't know if we can do a show with this guy. Right. And like one of the guys that I guess was a handler was like, He's not going to be able to report to set every day. He's not going to be able to show up for call time or whatever it is, you know? You don't know when he's going to be where. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't, like, this is not somebody who's going to be like, okay, I have to go to work every day at 8 o'clock or whatever, you know? Like, that's right. just never going to happen. So they're kind of in this, like, man, I don't know. What are we going to do? But in the meantime, he has this appearance on Jimmy Kimmel scheduled, and that was on February the 11th. So not long after his appearance on Kimmel, which was so awkward. Oh my gosh, it was so cringy. It was so cringy. He just sort of disappeared and went back out on the road. And he would pop up randomly on social media, at various places, usually in videos of people like recognizing him. Like, oh my God, you're Kai. And they take a video and post it or whatever. And it just kind of like Jimmy Kimmel was sort of the like height. And then it started to just all come down from there. So in one interview after the initial incident, Kai said, quote, as far as anybody I grew up with is concerned, I'm already dead. And in Kai's mind, it was him against the world. It That's what it seems like it was like for him. And after his arrest, a lot of his relatives came out and spoke about Kai and his past. And the Netflix documentary touched on his childhood a little bit. And to put it lightly, it was less than uh, stellar. Mm hmm. Kai was born in Canada, and when he was around four years old, his parents separated. Kai was born as Caleb McGilvery, and it appears that he changed his name when he cut ties with his family. His cousin said that growing up with Kai, he was very loud, he was very funny, but he was also mischievous. And he said that when they were young, he, the cousin, he said that he had a normal childhood. He was able to act like a like a little boy, like go outside, play with friends in the neighborhood, that kind of stuff. But Kai wasn't allowed to do those things. And his cousin put it as, quote, he wasn't given that privilege. And Kai was kept locked in his room for long periods of time. There were thick, dark blankets over his windows to make it look like it was dark outside. And his cousin said that even though the blankets were there, Kai could hear the other little kids outside playing. And he said, the cousin said, you know, growing up, they knew that Kai had it difficult When he was around 13 years old, Kai started or tried to start a fire in his house, and not long after, Shirley, who is Kai's mother, decided to send him to Bosco Homes, which is basically a facility where they send troubled teens who need a home. The cousin said that as they were growing up, Kai had basically a hair trigger. He had a difficult time distinguishing when someone was laughing with him or laughing at him, and that really upset him. And if he thought that you were laughing at him or making fun of him, he would go into what the cousin said, quote, little rages, but he would snap out of them pretty quickly. And the cousin also said that he feels like Kai had has mental health issues, which for all his childhood were basically untreated. Kai's father, Gil, later said that he thinks Kai has post-traumatic stress disorder from the way that he grew up. Wonder why. <laughs> right? Exactly. They actually did interview Shirley in the documentary. I was shocked. I was going to say it was surprising to see her because she's not... The cousin and other people kind of... Well, Kai himself didn't really paint the way that he was brought up in the best light. And so for her to go on there and she kind of defended it. She said that she never locked him in his room for hours on end. And she did, quote, occasionally have to prevent him from leaving his room too early, because he would wake up sometimes before she did, and then when he did this, he would get into stuff that she said could harm him. So that, according to her, maybe in her eyes, she was being responsible and preventing him from getting into things that could hurt him. And she seemed to think that it was in his best interest and for his safety. And she said that doctors leaned towards an ADHD diagnosis, but no clear-cut diagnosis for Kai has ever come out. Kai's experience in the group home wasn't great either. He would be sent from one to another to another. And in these, one of these homes, Kai claimed that he was physically and mentally abused. His father said later that he felt like Kai resented him because of the divorce in the divorce proceedings, Shirley got custody of Kai. And afterwards, Gil remarried and he went on to have more children. And he felt like Kai was angry with him for having a new family and not coming to rescue him from the group homes that he was being forced I mean, to live in. Did he try? Like, I don't know. I don't know. If he tried and he was unsuccessful, that's one thing. But like, you know your child is living in group homes. It It felt very much to me like everybody was just like, it's too much trouble. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's sad. Mm-hmm. It's really sad. And I, you know, I, I know don't know. That at that time, mental health care, we still have a super super long way to go. But it was not what it is today. And I know that it can be very mm-hmm. expensive. And like, there's a lot of barriers for people to get mental health treatment if they need it, and therapy, especially for children. I mean, if you've, you know, if you're already having a hard time providing the necessities. You want to add therapy on top of that. I mean, that's, I understand that that's very difficult. But you would think, and I don't know how it is. I honestly don't, I'm not familiar or well-versed with the way custody goes for, you know, I've heard some things I don't know. I've never been in a custody battle or anything like that. And I don't, absolutely don't know how it goes in Canada because this is, he's from Canada. But for the, for Shirley to get full custody of him, shouldn't, Gil have had some rights? Like, couldn't he have said, no, we don't want him going into a group home? Did he have to agree to that? Did Shirley have all of the power right, in that? yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it all depends on, yeah, their particular custody agreement. It's just, you know, he's mm-hmm. like, well, I think he was just mad because I never rescued him from the group home. But I just, we just don't know, could he have, you know? And right. if he couldn't. Yeah. Then he couldn't, you know, but you can just see all of these things and being like like Charlie being like well there's a big 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 difference between keeping him in his room from 6 to 7 a.m. when you wake up to keeping him in his room from 4 p.m. the night before to 8 p.m. the next day right you know there and I don't know the exact times but his cousin in the documentary has corroborated yeah, says, it He didn't get to go out and play like other kids did. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't either. So when Kai turned 18, the group Holmes spit him out and he had to fend for himself. And that's when he cut ties with his family and he went out into the world. And Gil said that the last time he saw him around was Christmas of 2010. Kai showed up to spend some time around the holidays and with his family. And that was it. So in 2013, Kai kind of popped back up into their lives when he went viral from the interview. And Shirley said that she was worried because Kai was so trusting in everyone he met. And she thought that he would get taken advantage of. And that's a real fear because it's essentially exactly what happened. As soon as he became, quote, the hatchet-wielding hitchhiker, everyone wanted to get a hold of him. Everyone wanted him to come on their show, to give an interview. And the Kardashian producers, like we talked about, wanted to make a show about him. And they weren't doing this out of the kindness of their hearts. They saw the dollar signs and they just wanted to lock Kai into agreement before anyone else had a chance to get him for themselves. hmm Now we have to switch gears a little bit and talk about a murder. So, Joseph Galfi was a military veteran who worked as an attorney in Clark Township, New Jersey. He'd lived in his home for 15 years. Friends described him as, quote, a frail, mild-mannered, and helpful individual incapable of harming even a fly. One other thing that Joseph was known for was his schedule. So he was the type of person who was on schedule. He was never late. And so it came as a pretty big surprise to one of Joseph's neighbors when they received a call from his former secretary on May 13th, 2013. She said that the inter- the attorney was expected in court that morning but didn't show up. And then she couldn't reach him on his cell phone. Now that's a big damn deal. Like Mhm. This is not the way Joseph behaves. Yeah. Well, and like even if you're a really really regimented person and you always have the schedule or whatever, it's concerning if you don't like maybe show up to work, but he was supposed to be in court. Mhm. I mean that you Like, that's not a thing where you can be like, oh, shoot, I ran late. Or like, like, you can't do that. There's a judge there. Like, it's court. You can't, you know, so that's like everybody's red flags just went way up. So Bob is the neighbor. He goes over to check on Joseph, but he sees that his newspaper is still laying on the front porch and the house is like eerily quiet. So he calls the police and asks them to do a welfare check. It did not go well. The 73-year-old was found dead in a pool of blood on the floor of his master bedroom, just clothed in his underwear and socks. The home wasn't in bad condition. It wasn't ransacked. There were no signs of forced entry. So the authorities did not suspect a break-in. An autopsy revealed that Joseph had died from severe blunt force trauma to the head, which had crushed most of his facial bones and his ear. And after some deliberation, it was concluded that he had likely been stomped to death. That is, what a oh gosh, it's it's just awful. Like what a terrible I know. Way to that's go. horrific. Due to the lack of signs of forced entry and the house being surprisingly organized, the investigators believed that Joseph knew who had attacked him. So they're going through the crime scene and they found a paper under the laptop in the family room with the phone number of Kai Lawrence. And they also found a train ticket from the morning of May the 12th, 2013. The detectives went to the train station and pulled the surveillance footage. And they were able to identify the victim buying a ticket and speaking to a man with what they called crazy hair. And so they identified him as Caleb McGilvery, which is Kai Lawrence. About three months or so after his interview with Jessup and going viral, Kai posted the following on Facebook. Quote, what would you do if you woke up with a groggy head, metallic taste in your mouth, in a stranger's house, walked to the mirror, and you guys, um, I'm going to be a grown-up here. I knew this was going to be tough for you. And seen come dripping from the side of your face from your mouth and started retching, realizing that someone had drugged, raped, and blown their fucking load in you. What would you do? And that was May 14th, 2013. I'm proud of you. You, you did great. Thank you. Thank you very much. My question, if this was, if this happened the night before, and I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be vulgar, but like, I'm assuming what he means is residue dripping. It's not going to still be actually dripping. I don't know. That was my first, like, and I, I don't know. There's just, there's a lot of questions around all of this. So. The way he describes it is almost like it is physically dripping. But anyway, so investigators started to look for Kai. Uh, Obviously, they'd seen the interview. They saw Kai talking about, and look, like, it doesn't look great because this person has been possibly stomped to death, but their head being smashed in. And he's on YouTube going, smash, 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 and being like, proud of it. You know, before that everybody w- was laughing it up, right? Like ha ha ha, smash him in the well, head. He was heralded as a mm-hmm. hero. And everybody seemed, yeah, just like good job for y-. and look, that guy needed to be stopped. And he didn't do it with the the sharp end. I mean, he I think he started with the dull end and then he flipped it around, it around yeah. and did it with the sharp end. And that guy lived, which is everybody lived in that situation, which is honestly incredible, but like He's talking about this like you know he he wasn't sitting there like oh my god I I had I had to hit somebody in the head with a hatchet to get them off of somebody like he wasn't um in any type of emotional distress or anything after having done that. He seemed pretty excited about it. Everybody around him was real excited about it like yeah and then and then you just see everybody quoting, you know, smash smash so much. People made t-shirts and like I don't know, it's a whole thing. So mhm The investigators kind of looked at that as, like, a proclivity to violence. There's a pattern. Like, he obviously enjoyed it. He's done it before. You know, whatever. So, and if he feels like he's doing something to protect somebody, what's he willing to do kind of thing? They talked with authorities back in California, but they didn't really have any way to contact Kai. So Jessup reached out to Kai to try to find him, but he got no response. Then investigators learned that Kai had planned on meeting a fan in the area. And when they contacted her, she confirmed that she had seen Kai and she had pictures. So at this point, Kai has cut his hair shorter. He's pretty much buzzed it at this point. Uh eh, maybe not buzz. It's very short. Yeah, It was short, though. Yeah, he had very long hair before that. And he had a really large, like, face and neck tattoo that he'd gotten. So he's not making it really easy for him to just blend in at this point. But they also don't know what they're looking for, you know, like it's it's changed his appearance a lot, yeah. you know, like what you're looking for is somebody with long hair and that's true, no face tattoos, and then now all of a sudden it's like, well, I don't know if you if you're looking for that person and then you see somebody who has got short hair mm-hmm. and a massive face and neck tattoo, right, like you're like, oh that's nope, not, not him. It. yeah, the only thing that kind of jacked with that if that was the plan is that. Somebody told him he got that. So then it's like, yeah, whoops. And she said she was shocked at first because of the short hair, because it was not short. Even when they made plans, it had, you know, he had just cut it. And so, and of course they took pictures together. So he, they used these to try to find him on May 16th, 2013 in Philadelphia, a Starbucks employee looked up and saw Kai getting coffee. And so the employee called the police. They show up, but Kai was nowhere to be found. One officer thought that the nearby Greyhound station might be where Kai went. And sure enough, there he was. So they call for backup. Kai is arrested without incident. And as they were walking, Kai past the press after his arrest, which is also very frustrating because you know, I mean, I guess the press has police scanners and stuff too, but you know, somebody called somebody and was like, hey, we're about to arrest that guy, the hitchhiker guy. Come get it on camera, you know? just Right. About. So the the press is saying, can you just tell us what happened? And Kai just says, I've been advised by an attorney not to say anything to you guys. I'd like to say thank you to all the supporters. And you know, when he talked to Jessup in that first interview, the first thing he said is like, no matter what you've done, you deserve love. And like, I don't know. there's a There's definitely a kind spirit somewhere in there, right? Mhm. Absolutely. Hey, you guys, have you ever wondered about the backstory like why we call our dad Miss KB? We have gotten this question so many times we thought we'd release a little freebie for you. So we recorded a Patreon-exclusive Q&A last year and be warned we were outside and there was some wind mm-hmm. where we answered this question and we want y'all to have the answer even if you're not a patron. Yeah, so be sure to head to killerqueens.link slash misskb, M-I-S-S-K-B, and grab the audio. And don't forget, if you want the full Q&A or access to our entire catalog of over 450 patron-only episodes with all our regular episodes ad-free, you can join the Patreon for less than one and a half Starbucks drinks per month. I mean, that's a good deal. It's a steal. It is, it's a steal. You'll get four episodes per week from us, all ad-free, plus anything fun we do like Q&As or literally anything else. So definitely check it out. And not every tier includes every episode. Yeah, we do have different tiers. So just be sure everything's listed out there when you check it out. But in the meantime, be sure to grab your free audio about Miss KB and how he came to be called that at killerqueens.link slash KB. So in his interrogation, investigators asked Kai what happened. And he said that he met Galfy in Times Square when Galfy approached him and asked where he was headed. And he, Galfy, apparently said like he looked like he was lost or something. So Kai told him he was going to Jersey and Galfi said that he was heading that way as well. And then he offered him some food and a ride. And Kai said, quote, at first I thought he was really nice and then he fucking raped me. And Kai goes on to say that after they ate, they go to Galfi's house. They drank some beer. He said that Galfi put the beer in a glass pouring out of the bottle. And then they watched some TV and drank a few beers. And Kai said after a bit, he was extremely tired, so he went to bed. And then he said the next morning, he woke up with a strange metallic taste in his mouth. He looked in the mirror and there was semen coming down the side of his face. When asked if he confronted Galfi Kai said that he didn't he said that Yalfi then drives him to the train station. He bought him a ticket to go to Asbury. I hope I'm saying that right. I never know how to say names of cities, but. I know. Well, it's really disappointing that you don't know the name of every city in the whole world. I know. I mean, dude, you're research. I'm human. I'm sorry. So they see this on, um, they're asking him about this, but they also have the CCTV footage of this as well. But so they said their goodbyes. Galfi gave him a number to call if he ever was in the area and needed a place to stay. Then Kai goes to Asbury because he was supposed to meet with some friends, but they were never able to meet. So at this point in the interrogation, Kai seems kind of shell-shocked. And he says, quote, I got raped and you, you say you're charging me with first degree murder. And the detective is like, yeah. And then asked Kai what he did next. Kai went back to the train station and he said he called Galfy to see if he could stay another night with him. Kai said they ate cheeseburgers, drank a few beers, and that's all he could remember from that night. And he said the next thing he remembered was waking up on the floor with Galfy trying to pull his pants down and Galfy is only dressed in his underwear. Kai says that he hit him and Galfy was trying to throw him around and Kai said all he could remember was that he hit him. And he couldn't say if he used his hands or elbow. Maybe he need him. He doesn't really know. And then finally, he hit Galfie in the head and he got off of him. And at this point in the interview, Kai said, quote, I should probably talk to a lawyer, shouldn't I? And the detective said, I can't give you legal advice. That's up to you. Kai then said that he did want to talk to a lawyer and the detective stopped questioning him. But before they left, they were like, "Okay, once I walk out of this room, I won't be able to talk to you again. I can't help you. Exactly. Do you have any questions for us? And Kai asks him what the penalty for that crime is in New Jersey. And detectives are like, look, that's up to a judge and a jury to decide. I can't tell you. And Kai asks if the death penalty is legal in New Jersey. And they say, um, OK, we're done now. OK, you asked for an attorney, so we're going to have to stop talking, OK? Good luck. Yep, yeah, they said good luck. They walked out of the room. Why ask if he has any questions? So you can That's be like, I, I mean, thinking. that is literally like calling to tell somebody you can't fucking talk right now. Exactly. Hello, any questions? I can't talk. Yeah, can't uh, can't answer that one. Anything else? Any no, questions. can't answer that one. No. Mm-mm. Look, you're the one who said you didn't want to talk to us, so I'm not obligated to answer any of your questions. Like gaslighting, son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. What was a question that they would have answered? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like. Do you have any questions? I can't answer any questions. Mind you. Wait, hang on. Why do you, yeah. Okay, you asked me about any questions. Like, and I hate the, I can't give you legal advice, okay? Mm-hmm. Like, of course you're going to do everything, you know, because they always lead into that. Look, I mean, if you want a lawyer, get a lawyer. If you want to make a big deal about this and you want to get a lawyer and you want to like, you know, that's you, Okay? Okay. But I'm just trying to help you. So, like, if you don't want me to be able to help you anymore, then fine, get a lawyer. And then I walk out of this room and I can't do another thing to help you. Well, and they imply that, all right, if you want to get a lawyer, I mean, people who are guilty, they get lawyers all the time. So if that's something that that's a road that you want to go down, by all means, That should be completely illegal for them to say. And how many times Mm -hmm. have we heard that in interrogations? Oh, I mean, if you haven't done anything, what do you need a lawyer for? Exactly. I just wonder though, because whenever the press was there, interview or trying to get, you know, like, hey, can you tell us what happened? Kai says he's been advised by an attorney not to speak. You would think that if he had talked to an attorney, they would be like, do not answer any questions. We will meet you there. But then he asked police, should I get an attorney? Mm Mm-hmm. That's very interesting too. Yeah, I wonder at what point he did talk to a lawyer because if he did talk to a lawyer before that, then this whole interrogation should not have been used at all, right? 100%. It's like they, because any lawyer, if you're put in this position, if you call somebody and you say, I've been arrested for murder, they are going to say, don't speak to them. Don't say anything. Mm -mm. You just tell them I'm on the way. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I don't understand that the timeline of that kind of stuff, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. Kai was charged with Galfi's murder and throughout the interrogation process and leading up to his trial, he maintained that he acted in self-defense. The police maintained that the sexual encounter between the two was consensual and that Kai had planned the murder, making it premeditated. What evidence do you have of this, please? Well, I mean, my God, how many times have we talked about that, too? Like, they don't have a reason for this line of thought, but they're like, well, from what we can surmise, it seems as, you know, it's like you just mm-hmm. maybe, yeah. but where's the proof? Like, you don't well, all- have <laughs> Yeah, because you've got a defendant saying, well, I acted in self-defense. And then you have the prosecutor being like, no, we, our investigation revealed that this was a consensual encounter. Mm hmm. They might never, ever, ever bring any evidence forward that proves that. But they say, our our investigation has revealed, blah, 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 blah. And then they'll say, and he planned this murder. It was premeditated. There's evidence of that. And the weight that that holds for a jury. Yep. Mm-hmm. They More don't have evidence. to prove it, but all they have to say is that. And then the jury's like, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Whoa. Because reasonable doubt, a lot of times I feel like looks, if a defense attorney is able to poke holes in some of that, testimony. Mm -hmm. Reasonable doubt is tough because reasonable doubt doesn't isn't definitive. It's not okay, so that definitely didn't happen. But is there another explanation for what happened? And would a reasonable person be able to come to that conclusion? And if so, then you haven't proven it beyond a reasonable doubt. But because there's not a definitive video of what happened or somebody admitted, you know, like whatever, reasonable doubt just looks like maybe, maybe not. And so I trust the prosecutor. Mm-hmm. I trust the police. Like it just, it doesn't look like enough. I think reasonable doubt is just so very misunderstood. Mm-hmm. And it's not like the defense can be like, well, our investigation has concluded that it was, it was done in self-defense because mm-hmm. they would have to show proof of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Burden of proof is on them. So Kai told them after the viral video in California that he had no need to have sex with men like Galfi. He said, quote, do you know how many hot chicks, Never mind. even if I was gay, do you know how many hot guys wanted to fuck me after that shit in California? I'm not even being vain. It's just a fact, like no offense, but he, meaning Galfi, was not a looker. I mean, who knows? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Well, and that's another thing with like, with any type of a rape allocation, again, your sexual history shouldn't come into that. Mm-mm. You know, even if he was having sex with people for money, a place to stay for food, whatever. He still has the right to say no. Yeah. To a sexual advance. Yeah. And how many times if the if the perpetrator is on the stand If the suspect is on the stand, and they've had a history of violent attacks, how many times the judge is like, "That's not admissible, prejudicial." Yeah, that doesn't pertain to this case. We're not going to allow it to be entered into evidence. And it's like, oh, so the victim Mm -hmm. is being tried and you know looked at for everything that they've done in the past, but it doesn't pertain to the other person, right? It just it doesn't. And like you said, you can be, and I'm not saying this is not like. I'm not saying that Kai was this way, but you can be the most promiscuous person in the entire world. You can let your freak flag fly, do whatever you want to, consenting adults, do it, get it. Doesn't mean that other, somebody has the right to do something like this to you. Nobody has what, that if right. If it's true or not, yes. Exactly. And the same is true for within a marriage. Like mm-hmm. covering Lorena Bobbitt made me so mad because they're like, your husband cannot rape you. Oh, but yes, he can. Yeah, because I I can have sex with my husband three times a day if I want to. But tomorrow, if I don't want to do it, then that's a no. I feel like I I, I like Why to bring to it up. Yeah, the tea. It's the tea. Did you I want know. sweet tea yesterday? Yeah. Does that mean that you have to have it today? No, because mm-hmm. you might not want it today. Yeah, maybe you, don't you want might, tea today. but you might not. Yeah, mm-hmm. not consent. Mm-hmm. So. Kai remained in jail until his trial started, and in June of 2013, he was hospitalized for self-inflicted wounds awaiting trial. His trial did not... Okay, so June of 2013, he's hospitalized. He's already been in, in jail since May. His trial didn't take place until April of 2019. It's almost six years later. It's insane. During his trial, he took the stand in his own defense, and during the cross-examination, he became combative. I don't think that it was a smart move to put him on the stand. What? Why? Why? Mm -hmm. Because you don't know what he's going to do. Well, he's been labeled as a, quote-unquote, loose cannon. This trait has not changed in him. It's only going to make him look worse. Why? Why? Yes. And if you as the defense attorney know, because I don't think he should have been found competent to stand trial. So if you as a defense attorney knows that that should be the case, unless he was like, let's put him on the stand so the jury can see that he's not mentally competent to stand trial. I don't know. But I mean, that's a bold move, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off. Like that obviously did not go in their favor. Right. So if you know that your client is, cause he tried to have his attorney fired and he tried to represent himself and like all these things that the judge wouldn't allow it because that's not in his best interest. Why the judge never looked at that and said, you know what? I don't think he, I don't think he's competent. Right. Mentally to stand trial. We need to get, we need to get him into some treatment. During closing arguments, Kai had an outburst, and it almost caused the judge to expel him from the courtroom yeah if you if you are genuinely doing what you need to do in your own best interest for your own defense, then you're not going to do that Mm-mm. like it's just evidence all over the place of him not being competent, absolutely. so Kai was found guilty of first degree murder and given fifty seven years in prison, and he had to serve at least eighty five percent of that. Which is roughly 43 years after the five plus years that he had served awaiting trial. After the trial, Kai appealed, which was denied in August of 2021. He was, or when he was in custody leading up to his trial, Kai was kept in solitary confinement at the Union County Jail. This is 23 hours a day, seven days a week in segregation, which is supposed or which is considered to be quote cruel and unusual punishment. And that is, of course, a gross violation of constitutional rights. Major conflicts of interest are, it's, there's so many in this case. So Yeah, you guys, if you haven't already felt like the need to throw anything out the window, prep the window. Crack that sucker open. Get it ready. Yep. Officials of the court who should have recused themselves among others, one of them. So eventually one judge assigned to the case would step down rather than recuse himself when it was pointed out that he was Connected personally to Joseph Gaff Galfi. Yeah, remember, this was an attorney in the area. Mm-hmm. He knows the judges, he knows the prosecutor, he knows law enforcement. They fucking golf together or whatever. Right. And it doesn't stop there, honestly. So the prosecutor, Theodore romanikov Romanikov, Romanikov, sure. Oh, sorry. Also, quote unquote, resigned after 11 years when his friendship with the deceased was disclosed. Incidentally or coincidentally, he, quote, called it quits on the same date Kai's arrest was announced. There are also numerous issues with the investigation, detention, and trial of Kai. Kai accused the proceedings of being a kangaroo court and sham trial. Many media sources portray his claims as unhinged and conspiratorial. In an investigative report, it was noted that the dishwasher had been run between May 13th and May 15th while Galfi's home was an active crime scene. Now we're getting into John Benet Ramsey's territory here. Also, Galfi was found with his own semen and unidentified blood on his penis. Kai was denied a rape kit, but they did run one on Galfi. The cups that were said to have been used when Galfy drugged Kai with the beer were washed by investigators. Talk screen was ordered on Galfy, and the talk screen and rape kit were both negative, but they were done on the wrong person. Nobody did one on Kai. So at this point, the prosecution can claim, quote, a rape kit was run and that talk screens were inconclusive. And that would make it seem like Kai was a liar. But this hadn't been this <laughs> had this not been a result of A bait and switch like they they didn't do them on the right person, but they can still be like, see, we did them and it's inconclusive. Yeah, because I just I don't understand how like a defense attorney either wouldn't have pointed that out or I I don't know, like and maybe this defense attorney did. And again, the jury was just like, well, because that's another thing where the prosecution just said we did a rape kit and it was negative. They just left out the part that they did it on the wrong person. On the yeah, on on not the person that's claiming he was raped, right. And no one was claiming, not that Galfi could claim that he was drugged, but that's not what we're talking about here. Yeah, and fine, do one on Galfi if you want to, but sure, do it on do Kai both. as well. Yes, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Just do do it, do the full investigation. Yeah, exactly. If you've got claims of rape and being drugged, do the full investigation. Running the dishwasher, washing those cups mm-hmm. while you're supposed to be collecting evidence. Yeah. So listen to this, though. OK, so, of course, you might be wondering why, why the dishwasher thing happened, right? The former local chief of police was uh, Joseph Galfie's brother, James Galfie. Mm-hmm. And he's uh, he's the help person that was in the house. You know, he he had control over the scene when things were washed and things were collected. Yes. yes. And it's very strange too because according to the the documents released in Discovery, James Galfee noted his concern that a quote drifter was involved when his he was told that his brother was dead. So that maybe leads you to believe that this is not the first time that he has been involved in a situation like this. Mm-hmm. In another interview with a witness who saw Kai, he was described as looking, quote, glass-eyed and drugged after the incident. The audio of Kai's interrogation has him emitting an audible sigh when he discovers that the man he accuses of drugging and assaulting him is dead. And on top of this, the expert witness, Dr. Robert Pandina, who refused to run the rape kit on Kai, he claims that he did not know Galfi, and this is a little odd because there was a document from the prosecutor's office which stated that Pandina, quote, unexpectedly received charitable funds from the estate of Joseph Galfi. Hmm, kind of bizarre, right? If you don't know him, why would that be in his will? Well, hold on. All right. I have a provision in my will that should I be found murdered? That the um, any expert witness who testifies on my on the prosecution's behalf in my case, I want them to receive a sum of money from my estate. Okay, that's standard in a will. Just good planning too, isn't it? it well, it's sure. just so ridiculous. That doesn't. I've never heard of that. No, and. It, it, Joseph Galfi has connected to so many different people in the in this in the the very heart of this if you want to call it an investigation, I don't know if you can. Mm-hmm. Um all they did was investigate Kai. They didn't investigate anybody else. So, I don't know. And I'm not saying that Joseph Galfi deserved to be stomped to death. That is absolutely not what right, I'm saying. Absolutely not. But if you're going to do an investigation, let's do it thoroughly. Let's do it appropriately and ethically. Mm-hmm hmm If you've got somebody claiming self-defense, then you need to look into that angle. Absolutely. Like, it does the evidence support self-defense or not? I mean, they do this in cases where somebody says they've shot somebody in self-defense. And I feel like one of the main ways that we see that that either was or was not is because the person who's been shot, quote, in self-defense has had their back turned to them and they've been shot three times in the back or something. You know, they're like, okay, well, that doesn't match. Like, just do the due diligence. Does the evidence match with with the claims? Ties? Yeah, claims or not. Yeah. And we will never know. Mm-mm. I mean, it's been botched, botched job from the get-go. And I don't think anybody wants to see their brother, their friend, their neighbor, whatever. As the kind of person who would seem like he's acting in a kind way and just helping someone out, but then drugging and sexually assaulting them. I don't think anybody wants to see that. And I'm absolutely not saying that that's 100% what happened, Mm -hmm. but we'll never know because nobody bothered to, Mm -hmm. I don't know, check. It's your job. Yeah. And because of Kai's, you know, quote, loose cannon personality and the fact that there are some other mental health issues going on and like all that kind of stuff, he's the perfect person to have in this situation. And he's saying, I've been set up, the investigation wasn't done properly, all that kind of stuff. And so everybody around them and everybody in law enforcement was like, well, he's crazy. Right. Why would you believe what he says? And I know that there was this angle of, well, he claims to have been assaulted the night prior and then went back to his house. I know that that is something that people need to cuz you got to have all of the all of the elements, all of the everything to conduct an investigation properly. But you can't in my opinion, you can't take just that and then throw everything else away. Let's wash all the dishes. Let's wash everything. Because mm-hmm. just because he went back if this happened, if if Kai is telling the truth, if he went back, that doesn't mean that he, again, like the tea thing. And I don't even know if the first time was consent. I don't, if if it's what he right. said is true, it wasn't as far as I'm concerned. That doesn't mean that he should be, you should be able to stay with someone who's, who offers, not under the, the understanding that you can be taken advantage of if, if they want to. Again, I'm not mm-hmm. saying that any of that is true. I don't know. Right. And we'll never, like you said, we'll never know. Yeah. And their whole, I think the prosecution's whole premeditation angle is because he went back. And so they're saying, well, he knew that he was sexually assaulted the first time. He knew he was going to be sexually assaulted again. And so he wanted to do this like vigilante justice sort of thing. Well, and they're taking into account the hatchet situation as well. Right. Mm -hmm. So your premeditation is solely based on the fact that he went back and you're saying he knew he'd been sexually assaulted before. But again, we don't have any evidence that the first time was consensual and we don't even have any evidence that it was not because again, there was nothing investigated. But how do you know? You don't know. You're just saying that's what he said, but he's lying. Right. You have nothing else. Without anything to prove it, it's just outrageous it's unreal mm-hmm. and so as it stands kai is still fighting and maintaining his innocence and i mean okay not really innocence cuz he admits that it, he murdered joseph galfi but he says that it was in self defense he was attacked and raped and he just fought back and in new jersey lethal force is authorized in the case of sexual assault so accidentally killing someone who is raping you in the state isn't even manslaughter and Kai claims that there is a cover up in his case because Galfi was a prominent member of the legal community in the area and I can see that. I mean if you take the steps and protocol for something like that, not having his brother investigate the the murder, not having his own brother control the crime scene, change of venue so that you don't have jurors that possibly knew him personally and people involved the in the court process. Yeah, all of that. Like if you take the proper steps then nobody then you've got a solid case if you have the evidence there. But no question. Unfortunately, there's no way to go back and redo the investigation because you can't recollect evidence. It's gone. That's been uh-uh. washed in the damn dishwasher. Because mm-hmm. if you have those, like what, finish pods, that that'll get it right clean. I mean, come on. I've seen the commercials. I just I do it every night after I've had dinner. Right. Yeah. I remember those. Yeah. Yeah. They're fairly new. But anyway, <laughs> it's just if you do your job, there aren't questions. Like, that's what I don't. This is one of the only areas in the whole world where you can just be like, yeah, I didn't write it down. Yeah, I didn't whatever. I didn't think it had anything to do with it. And and people just be like, well, OK, fine. Mm-hmm. Not the way it's supposed to happen. You're certainly not going to get fired. My God, that's just really jumping yeah, through hoops. Um. And uh, you know what? How about we give you a promotion instead? And the repercussion is somebody's entire freedom is taken away for mm-hmm. essentially the rest of their lives. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not sure. I mean, I think we're both on the same page with like, we're not saying that Kai is 100% innocent, but we're also not saying that he's 100% guilty because unfortunately, we will just never know. Mm-hmm. And he certainly needs treatment. And I think somebody who is completely unbiased needs to come back in here and do the right thing, whatever that may be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I mean, once you once you've been found guilty of something, I mean, you guys know it's virtually impossible to get it overturned. Mm -hmm. It's a it's systemic. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Let us know what you guys think. I mean, have you seen the documentary? Did you know all this other stuff? Did you know it when it happened? Yeah, did you know it when it happened? Yeah, I don't remember it. So I don't know. Just let us know. Let us know what you think about it. I think the only thing that you and I can say for sure is that we don't believe this was a fair trial. No, not at all. So, And I think at the very least, you should have an appeal. And I think that it should be handled fairly. And whatever stands should stand. But Mm -hmm. I don't, yeah. If the evidence is there, that's great. Yes. Let's get that evidence out there. But just be fair about it and do your damn job. Right. That's it for today, you guys. It is. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. We love you. And we will hopefully catch you on the next episode. Bye. Bye. Okay, you guys. You know what time it is. It's shout out time. Mm -hmm. A.K.A. We're gonna fuck your name up. Yep. That's the one. Uh, we want to give a Hey Girl thanks to Kristen Gilman, Mary Catherine Davis, Jeff Euler, Megan Leonard, Lori Pancake! Lori Pancake! Yay! Thank you, girl! Us, we love you! Mindy Stockwell, Matthew Burnett, Brittany Bowers, Lorna Hussey, Taylor Villa, Lily Lalabluza. Lauren Henniger, Laura Peterson, Gina Harrison, Catherine Dole, and. And we want to wish Mackenzie Vanderbilt a very happy, happy pregnancy. We hope your baby shower was amazing. And oh, yes. Mac and his wife wanted you to know that they love you, but also and that we love you. That we <laughs> love you too. Yes, absolutely. So we just hope all of that is going so well. Um, We love all of you so much. Thank you for listening. Thanks for being a friend. Yes, we could not do this without you. We love you. Bye. Bye. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this case. Connect with us on Instagram or Facebook to continue the conversation. Thanks for listening and we will meet you back here next week. Bye.